And the boys kind of came to me and were like, hey, uh, you interested in like kind of working with us and finding artists and stuff because you seem to be really good at finding them at the ground level. Um, because I'm like fucking, as I said to you before, I'm watching people flat out. But I'm like, yeah. I'm on SoundCloud, bro. Like, so when so when I go through my binges, and you're I'm really like, going that deep into fuck it. No. Yeah, I'll sit yeah. down and be like, listen to one last, to another last, to another last. I'll spend <laughs> wow. hours. And, when I was younger, I literally would have headphones on for hours and hours and hours, just digging, 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 like trying to find gold, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Culture Show. Fucking podcast is now, brother, right? Let's, Let's go, go, brother. Don't leave me hanging and shit. All right, all right. Um, man, I don't even know how to start this. This is completely new to me. Um, thank you for watching. If you are watching right now, the first ever episode, I'm excited for you guys to be a part of this um, new journey we're doing. And, uh, you know, having people on at least once a week, once every two weeks, picking out their brains, learning the industry, learning things from artists and, and all of the above. Um, sheesh, man. Is there anything you want to say yet? Or? The culture, bro. The culture Welcome show. To the culture, Welcome to the culture bro. show. Welcome you. to the culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, just quickly, my name is Nate Six. This is my co-host, Donnie Dollars. Uh, we have uh, another co-host too, Liam B. He's not here at the moment. He's getting tattooed. Um, he'll be here towards the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, uh, we do have a guest today, a really exciting guest. Um, I just wanted to start with um, basically just touching on a few things. Um, first being why I decided to start this podcast and kind of take a step away from music a little bit. Um, so essentially, I've been I've been chasing music, like sort of that's been my passion, my dream, waking up every day and doing it since I was 13, 14. Um, and it's just gotten to the point now where I'm, I've had a few things happen in my life where it's sort of given me a kick in the butt and, and I've become big on being able to call it when it's not the time right now to be chasing a, a specific thing. Um, also because of the fact I've been doing this since I was so young, went through a bit of a, a rough childhood and, and was out in the street young, which is why I started making music. Um, it's it sort of became my identity when I was developing a personality and identity. I sort of identified as that. I didn't really identify as a as a just a human. I'm more just identified as an artist. Everything I did in my life was artist driven or the music driven. It was for that that factor. It was it was kind of to everything I did was to elevate that. Um, and I went and started seeing uh, a psychologist and whatnot lately, and they sort of said some things to me about personal growth, etc. And that sort of made me think straight away, even though she said personal growth, it made me think like that was to my music career and stuff, right? And when things started sort of crashing because I didn't take care of what I was meant to take care of uh, in terms of my mental health and my health and stuff like that, I sort of realised what she was talking about. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that's like everything to you. Even, everything. even when she's talking about your personal yeah. health and stuff, you're just thinking about yeah, music, yeah. that's kind of like... I'm like, yeah, if I do this, that's going to benefit my career. If I yeah. do, if I do, you know what I mean? But it, I wasn't able to hone in and really focus on who I am and what parts of me need that healing. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I was too focused on that. It was just tunnel vision, nothing but, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of, I wrote a little something in case I wasn't able to find the words in my notes just to sort of read, um, to give you a better sort of explanation than sort of freestyling it. But uh, why did I walk away from music? I've been chasing this goal since I was 14 and there's still nothing I love more to this day than getting up and chasing my dream and my passion. But unfortunately, I'm at a place in my life currently where my health and my mental health needs to come first. 
from young, I took on the identity of Nate Six and everything I did was sort of for him and not me personally at all. And I came to realize that lately through a series of pretty bad breakdowns and mental health clauses that I've been trying to fit this character I created for myself. I have no idea who I actually am and what parts of me actually need healing in order for me to be able to continue to put 100% into my craft while still maintaining a healthy mindset and to consistently be able to start looking after myself properly again. Um, also, as I just mentioned, I've become a big leader, big believer in being able to really take a step back and call myself out when things just aren't working at this particular time. Um, and the reason why I decided podcast out of everything we, we sort of could have gone after taking a step back from this thing I've been fully driven on for years now is because I like to talk. I like to talk to people, I like to learn things from other people. I like to- Oh, you can talk, bro. I know. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But if it experiences, man, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff, I, I want to grow from that. I want to, I feel like I'm going to get to know myself the more conversations I have with people and stuff and whatnot as well. So really excited to bring you guys along with us and stuff. But um, yeah, man, that's that's essentially, I just wanted to touch on that for you guys and stuff. But Exciting times, man. Exciting New times. Chapter. Exciting times. Let's uh, go. We podcasters now. I think I think we should um get off that topic and we should bring the guests in, hey? Let's go, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is responsible for a whole lot of wet pussy around Australia. He's a veteran in the nightclub scene and a music industry wizard, successfully playing a huge role alongside superstar careers such as Melbourne, Rockefellers, and Amu the MC. Here to tell us about that and more, it's Danny Grant. Let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Danny. Welcome, man. Thank you for coming. What's happening, boys? Not a lot, bro. What about you? Heaps as per usual. Yeah, beautiful. That's what we you like. Seem like to a hear. busy guy. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, man. So I do have I do have some questions written down, has fillers and stuff like that. Yeah. But man, there's just I don't even know where to start. You just do so much. Yep. <laughs> you do so much, man. I think I think the best place to start sort of is where it started for you. And where would you say that was? Um, fuck, to be honest, like when I was like 13 selling ciggies. Yeah, 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 the so hustle. Like, yeah, like, like kind of when I was growing up, sort of not that great. And I had to like fend for myself, if that makes yeah. sense. Like my parents were alcoholics and drug addicts and stuff like that. So if I wanted something, I had to figure out a way to get it. Yeah. So for me, it was like good ways and bad ways, but it was like washing cars, selling ciggies, all that sort of shit. So really early on, I realized like, hey, it's sort of, I guess, what I want and my needs and desires have to be fueled by myself. Yep, yep. And I feel like that's where it began. That makes sense. Hundred percent. It's been an obsession ever since. Sort of. Do you, do you going back to that, like back when you were thirteen, selling ciggies on the hustle, door knocking and stuff? I'm assuming and whatnot. Yeah, 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 beautiful. When you started doing that, man, did you do you remember what kind of was the was the cause or the drive? Obviously, you realizing. Yeah, okay, if I if I want something, I'm gonna have to go get it myself. Do you remember what that was that originally made you want to push push for that and start I reckon like a better life. Yeah, yeah like, beautiful. And sort of like I think a lot of guys that come from I know you just sort of touched on it before, but from like a rough childhood, I was like, you either go one way or the other. Yep. You either like fall into it and do it. Yep. Or you do the opposite. So for me it was like pretty early on, I was like, Fuck this, I'm sick of this. Yeah. And so and then the only way for me to be get out of that, in my opinion, was to like succeed. Yeah, one hundred percent. I sort of like, and don't get me wrong, like it was not some clear cut thing where I was like some fucking major entrepreneur with no problems. Like I was in trouble with police, and I was in and out of doing fucking drugs and shit like that. So it wasn't some clear cut thing. I was like, I would hustle, yeah, good, good and bad. If that makes sense, so 100%. it wasn't always necessarily the right way to do it, but it was still eventually I figured it out. Yeah. yeah. And it maybe took seven, eight years before I was like, the negative is not working, but the positive is. Most definitely. Um, and then I kind of, kind of continued to walk, walk that lane. If that makes sense. But it was definitely, it, it was definitely touch and go at points throughout my fucking yeah. when I was younger. If that makes sense. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. And do you think it was that, it was that sort of that thought and that want for a better life 
from where you come from and, and you see sort of the way your friends are growing up in that scene as well because they sort of come, would come from the same areas, yeah. I'm assuming, and whatnot. So, well, well, like, when I was – I grew up in a uh, place before, a place called Broadford, which is, like, a small town. A lot of, like – it's kind of famous for bikies, like Hells Angels and shit. Right. Um, so, anyway, so when I grew up there, it was a lot of, like um, – uh, fuck, like not fucked up families, but like alcoholics, drug addicts, um, like marijuana smokers. There was good people there too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There was also a lot of like single mums, broken families, single dads, like all that sort of shit. So when I lived there, it was like I was kind of in a weird spot where I did hang around with guys who had like atomic families and they were kind of a bit normal. Yeah. So I think that was what motivated me because I was sort of like, fuck, you know, what? I want this. I want this. Yeah. yeah. So, and then yeah. what? It like kind of made that bigger. So during that period of time, what I was sort of like doing little bits of hustles here and here, but just to get by, like buy sickies, buy food, whatever. Like it was nothing major. For sure. But when it really escalated was like when I moved. So I got expelled and then I got sent down by my family to live with aunties and uncles. Yep. So when I did that, I really, I moved to a joint called Vermont, which is Vermont. still, it was, it was like a way better area. If yeah, that makes yep, sense. Yep. And then I, there was the opposite. So like I was like one of two kids that came from a family that was not atomic, like where their mum and dads were together and rah, rah. Yeah. So I was like, I saw that and I was like, fuck, man, this is safe. Like, this feels good, yeah. And so yeah. I got to see that and it was like, if I hadn't have seen that, I don't know if I would have gone the way I did. That makes sense. So I sort of saw that and I was like, cool, that's what I want to do and that's how I want to be. And then from there, I was like, how do I figure that out? So I've always been yeah. really good at like seeing a problem and then figuring out the solution. Beautiful. Problem solver more, yeah, more as such. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I was like, and then don't get me wrong, I did it the wrong way. Like, I did it the wrong way all, all for on and off like for a couple more years. It wasn't like I just solved it. Yeah. And then it was like when I hit about probably 21, 22, where I was like, uh, this is not like the negative is not working. It comes with bad consequence. Yeah. And then I was like, if I could use all this energy and shit that I've learned in a positive way, I reckon I could fucking kill it. And then from there, the, the rest is history sort of thing. So beautiful, bro. Yeah. That's, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. So we'll touch on it now is the, the fact that you're saying the the drive and everything was the, the better life that you were chasing. Yeah. Right. I see, I, I've, cause, of course, I follow you on Instagram and yeah. I, I, I'm always waiting for your fucking funny canteen stories or <laughs> your funny shit like that, man. But, I always, obviously, I see whatever you're doing, man, you're always involving your, your wonderful kids and yep. your missus in it as well. Do you think that's obviously a, 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 the thing that sort of makes it so easy for you to grind and do so much, man? Because you have you have this beautiful family to go home to that you're providing for and it's they're right by your side while you're doing this and stuff. You know what I mean? I think now, like I think that when I first started, it was just about having money and things I wanted right now. Yeah. That makes sense. So that yeah. was why mm. when I was doing dumb shit, it was all like short-term um, gain. Yeah. So then when I kind of like got my shit together more, it was more like, okay, cool. How am I going to establish myself to like have this life that I've always wanted, this security life with kids and misses and um, the atomic fucking family. Yeah. Like, so yeah. how am I going to make sure that my kids uh, don't have the same experiences that I had? So that's when it, that became my motivator. And then when they came, it just strengthened that. Yeah. yeah so I was like, then now for me, it's like legit, bro. Everything's, every, I know it's like cliche, but like everything's for them. Yeah. So I don't give a course, fuck. Like, I'm happy not to have a shirt on my back as long as they're sweet. I don't care. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I, I'm, I probably, I'm like, I'm the sort of the driver. I bring everything in, but I'm the last to get the, the piece of pie. That's yeah. bullshit because I eat heaps. But <laughs> <laughs> like my daughters get dressed better, they get better opportunities, and then I'm last. Yeah, and like yeah. my wants and needs come um, after. Hundred percent. It's man, interesting I love that. how the like the reasons, motivations for the hustle and that drive to to want to change your life changes throughout the Direct, years. Yeah, 100%, you know. Yeah, I realized no, this isn't just about me anymore. Like. I literally need to provide for somebody else, mm. and it just like pushes them like to the next level. Agree, like it's a, it's like you got to anything you do. Like if you don't have a motivator, 
what's the fucking point? Yeah, exactly. So you've got to figure out what that is and then what's moving forward. But another thing for me, which is kind of weird, and I've, I've brought it up a couple of times when I've done things like this, is legacy. Yeah, and so I actually... I'm huge on that. I'm that like, gave I'm, me goosebumps yeah, since you so said that word, dude. Yeah, 100%. I always think about myself, like where I'll be like sitting back and I'm like, when I die, I want people to be like, fuck, what a story. Yeah, and yeah. so that almost to me is more like, I want to make sure my family and shit's all good and like they're living the life that I could only have dreamt of. Um, and I can do whatever I can to make that. And I feel like I can, like I can have an impact on that. Yeah. But for me, I don't really need much. Like it's Sam, well, the weird thing, but I don't even, like I could have a nice car, but my car's not that shit, but it's okay. Yeah. And like everything that comes with like my, my kids or my missus living is great. Anything that I have, I don't really give a fuck about so, it. So I'm pretty low maintenance. So that makes yep. sense. You, that's, um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm pretty, I'm pretty low maintenance, but it's like that. It, the mo- motivator for me is like having the crazy story ever. That makes sense. So yeah. like when I die, I want people to be like, fuck that dude. That, what a life that guy lived. And really thus far, lived. I think I've done, <laughs> yeah. I've done pretty good. Man, <laughs> 100%. I was, that actually brings me on to my next po- topic perfectly. When I, when I told a few people that a few mutuals we have and stuff like that, that you were coming on the first episode, one of their biggest points they had on you was everything they've seen you do or sort of have an idea, yo, I want to do this you've achieved it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I, I attended the Hello Sunshine Festival, which we'll touch on more, a bit, a bit more in, but I attended that and I was walking around that with a few of my mates and stuff and just going through my head. I can't put two and two together that these are th- all these families and stuff are here in this one dude. Obviously you've got a team and whatnot, yeah, 100%. but it started off as this one dude's dream. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's crazy to me, the story you posted as well, how you guys, um, obviously I'll let you tell the story and stuff, but you guys wanted uh, to do it at the Caribbean markets a few years ago or something. I had no luck. Ago, yeah. What was the story with that man? So I made a mind around a festival and I was like, fuck, this looks like a mad thing to do. So that's basically what it was. So he'd done this thing called Valley Vibes down in um, Yarra Valley. Yep, yep. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. So then I was running clubs and shit at the time, but I was just always, I'm always like looking to the next step and that makes sense. Yep. So I went there to these guys. I was like, this is a mad site. Super nostalgic to me. Um, I want to do something there. And I was like, oh, I must have been 22. Like I was pretty young. Yeah. Yep, 22. And then um, they, I went down there and they're like, yeah, all right, we'll look at it. But they didn't want to do exactly what I wanted to do. So as soon as they were, like, were sort of like, oh, like I kind of came with a plan. And then they were like, we can give you 20% of that plan. I was like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. Because I'm like, if this is going to work. It's going to be what I, what the I whole want it plan. to be. So then we did that. And then I went back again. I actually ran a festival there, this food thing I did there, which we did like 40,000 people to. Wow. And then um, over a period of a weekend. And then um, I uh, went... And then I, I kind of built up trust from that because it was something that they were willing to let me do because the, the music thing they were real paranoid about. And then um, I went back and I pictured it. Well, my mate did. He came back to me during COVID. He's like, do you want to do this thing that we talked about fucking years ago? And I was like, um, I'm like, yeah, let's have a crack at it like one more time. So he went there and we just basically laid it out. We're like, look, this is what we want to do. This is what we think is going to happen. We still believe in that original dream, but it's got to be ran by us. Like by the, yeah. by the way we want it to be. So they sort of ticked it off and approved it. And then um, we went, Went for it. it. Took us about eighteen months to put it together. It was a pretty fucking big show, as you saw. Yeah, man, massive. Yeah, and then um, yeah, we pulled it off. Like, so that's the. It's kind of, yeah, that's a weird thing for me. Is that like, like what you said before? Like, I kind of like have an idea, and I'm like I said, I'm really good at seeing a problem and then figuring out how to do it. Yeah, so same thing. It's like I'm really good at having an idea, then working out how to do it. That makes sense. So hundred percent like, the execution, because I guess it's it's really one thing to have the great idea, totally. but it's a it's a whole completely different ballgame to be able to execute 100%. said idea. I say 100%. I've got this like fa- thing that I say. It's like not a famous saying because I'm not famous, but a saying <laughs> that I say to my mates. But I'm like, 
it's all good to have a good idea in the garage, but only like 1% of people will actually have a crack at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So it's like there's fucking many a brilliant app ideas, many a brilliant business ideas getting thrown around in the in the shed, yep. but they're not being activated. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. So it's like when someone says, oh, so this guy copied my idea. It's like, bro, he didn't copy your idea. He did your idea. Exa- yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. How many how many times have you sat with your, with your boys or something like that and or you've gone to the shop or something with them and you see, they see something or they see someone doing something. You're like, oh, we thought of that. They've copied yeah. our idea. It's like, no, 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 no. They actually had it in them to go and execute it 100%. and bring it to life, which is a whole nother, a whole nother thing. But while we're on the Hello Sunshine Festival topic, obviously, I want to, I really want to dig in deep. I've, I've listened to a fair few of your podcasts uh, yourself. Um, and the one I th- you did with a bloke from the UK as well that you oh, did. Frankie Lee, yeah, that yeah. was, that was sick too, man. Great podcast. Jeez. Um, I want to. I really want to dig into the music side of stuff, man. I yeah. haven't heard you speak a heap about that. I haven't. No. Yeah, I haven't heard you heard speak about a lot about that. I know. For those of you who don't know, uh, Danny runs Empire in. Did I sold it? Oh, he sold it. Yeah, Previ- previously, previously ran Empire, which was a. I grew up in the southeast. I'm a Frankston boy. Oh no shit. Um, and so that's a that's a staple club in the southeast. Everyone knows about Empire if you're from there. You know what I mean? It's a huge thing, and it didn't really didn't take long for me to once I officially was sort of not officially in the scene, but sort of started having knowing people that are actually in the scene and stuff like that and being at a studio every day and stuff. It really didn't take long until I started hearing the name Danny Grant. Yeah. Start going around the studios and going around the, the shows we're doing and, and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like it really didn't take long at all. And so I'm, I'm really interested in how that came about. Cause I know I heard in your previous podcast that you started in the nightclub scene and stuff. So I think we'll dig a bit, a bit into that. So how did that start first? So again, it goes back to that whole, um, like selling ciggy shit. So I was sort of like hanging around clubs, doing yep. whatever, um, mucking around, doing blah, blah, blah. And then I realized back then, I don't know if they still do it, though I don't think they do, but you could get three bucks per head that you bought in. Right. So okay. I was like, at the time, I'm like, I was out all the time and I fucking just knew everybody because it kind of worked out all right for me. Like I got expelled, bumped to another school, but where I lived was actually, I got forced to go to a school that was closer to me, but where I actually lived was closer to this football ground and then <laughs> right. I had to work whatever. So I was like, it's one of those weird things, but I like where I worked, I didn't work with anyone from school. Um, where I like lived wasn't close, like that close to my school. So I was like, I had these massive amounts of networks and I've always really been good at like containing, like re- retaining them. Yep. So I just like, I don't know, like I'm not, a, I wouldn't say I'm a social butterfly. I've got a core cool group of mates, but it's like, I constantly, probably twice a week, do I go catch up with people that from my past? Like I legit just caught up with the dude I went to primary school with wow. Tuesday, right? So I've always been really good at staying in contact with people. So when that came about, I was sort of like, oh, yeah, sweet. So at the time, I didn't actually know that, that what I was doing was that good. So I was like getting given tickets by these dudes and I'd sell like 50 to 100, easy, because I knew everybody. So I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing this weekend? Like, I'm going to fucking TFU. Like, yeah, mad. I've got tickets. Do you want some? Yeah, boom, bang, 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 sell them out. And then... I was just like, I used to make five bucks a ticket. So I make like Wait. 500 bucks, right? Add it all up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and that was only on long weekends and stuff like that. And I was like, cool. So I didn't really think that it was like a something I could turn into a job. That makes sense. Yeah. And then one weekend I was sort of like, um, oh, I'm not going to like, I'm not gonna do it this time because I'm going to go away or some shit. And then those guys sort of came back and were like, we'll give you a percentage of the party. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, fuck. Because I was selling like a fifth of the event without knowing and then gave but you and then you went and gave them the opportunity to find out what you're actually bringing in when well, you I didn't, didn't know. bring it in so like when, when i got that reaction i was sort of like and it was like a couple of times it was that's one of like multiple at the same time where i was like had that reaction of like oh i'm not going to engage this week and these dudes were like no 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 you have to you have to and i was like oh <laughs> you realize like how much yeah. money you're actually making yeah, these exactly. guys and then yeah. i sort of sat down and did the math and i was like okay fuck i'm getting three bucks they're getting 17 dollars like on top of what i'm getting 
I want a piece of that 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So then once I kind of figured out my value, I was like, because I did that event and got paid whatever. I remember, it's actually a funny story, you guys will read it. So it's like one of my first events I did solo. I made 2K. Where, where, what club was it at? It was at a club called Circus just down the road from here. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So I did this solo event because one of my mates at the time had been running these shows. Like, So this is a little bit after that. Like, This is when I started to take it properly serious. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I reckon I can do this. So I did it at this joint called Circus. And after I paid all the DJs and whatnot, I had 2K. And for me, bro, like coming from where I come from, like that was like fucking a million massive, bucks. Massive, massive. That's yeah, a fat bro. pocket, yeah. <laughs> and I legit like laid it down and I was like rolling it, taking photos and shit. <laughs> yeah, as you do, right? And I was like, legit, I, I thought I was never going to have to work again. I was like, fuck. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, like, I, saw, I thought I had it sus. But then from there, I was like, all right, cool. So that was like when I really got addicted. So I was like, had a piece of the pie and taste it of my value. Then I did my own event, made at the, like 2K at the time. And I'm like, fuck, I could live off this. Yeah. And then like everything I do, I did it to the extreme. And then next thing you know, I was running clubs all over Victoria, doing shows all over the, the Australia, like fucking managing DJs, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of exploded from that. But I guess the journey from that was like, music is always been a passion of mine. Why? Beautiful, yeah. And then B, culture. I fucking love culture. So yes. it's like, yeah, 100%. So I've always, even though I'm older, and like you said before, it's not unusual to hear my name in the hip hop stuff. It's really not at all, yeah. But it's also not unusual to hear my name in the dance stuff yep. or the hard style stuff. It's like, it's uh, been like that because I dip in and out. Like I'm always like around, but it's like I'm obsessed with music culture. I'm, I fucking love watching that build up, explosion, being involved in it, being at shows, all that whole bit that comes with it, plus the music. And then that's why I'm always looking for it. So it's like a rush for me. Yeah. So that's why I've got my fingers in so many different music genres. It's like, and then because the actual, uh, the way it actually works is not much different. So if I'm working with a rapper, a DJ, a house act, a band, the process is the same. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's, it doesn't change when you're like managing an artist or whatever, but the cultures do. So they change. Of course, so in yeah. a sense, I'm fucking like a, I, I, I'm not going to say culture vulture because I don't copy it, but it's like, I'm a culture leech. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I, I, love, yeah. I love being involved. Very in cultured. Yeah. 100%. And my favorite part is, and I've said this before to dudes, I'm like, my favorite part is like the start. So it's like when you got these little guys and like, no one can do a show because there's not enough artists. You pull it together, you sort of help people. Everyone's fucking passionate. They're looking after each other, playing yeah. for nothing. The photographers are doing it for nothing. The it's videographers. Am it's amazing, man. That's yeah. where you get the best people. That's it it really opinion. is. I've, I've met I've met some of my best friends that I'll, I'll recall my best friends for life through yeah. this music scene and through putting on shows together. It's, it's genuinely one of the... It's a really connecting experience for one, you know what I mean? And it's, as you were talking about before, networks. Like, it's, it's, that's probably one of the biggest where I've got most of my network from is, is from the industry and from being in the room and having that conversation, you know, whether it, I, I'm a, I'm a rapper, you know what I mean? But being in a studio and, and then you have conversations with whoever's in there, whether they be a pop star or, or this or that, you know what I mean? It's, it's, as you were saying, I just want to touch on that. Network is, is huge. It's like, it's, network is it's your net worth, you know what I mean? Your network is your net worth. With and I, like, I like, I, like, when you hear you say that, not that I've ever heard anyone say that before, but it's like, I'm happy that you said that. Yeah, and like people that to hear my name in different places are good because I try and do that. Yeah, yeah and so yep. that's not something that I've really been told before. But in, I'm always like I'm everywhere, bro. Like it's, that's the thing. It's almost inspiring. And I try man. to be. Yeah, no, it's and it's and it's hundred percent true because it's it's almost inspiring because it's a as when when I say obviously and obviously I didn't create the saying at all, but when you say your network is your net worth, it's 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 very very true. And when it comes to the extent of the, your name always being in the room or coming up in conversation because half the time when, with networking I found it's just a matter of showing your face and having that conversation That's but now but now you've put it to a point to where your face you don't, you don't need to show your face to be able to start that conversation anymore it's already there do you know what I mean when did you sort of realize that that sort of started becoming a, a thing and you're like okay I'm actually having as much sex, uh, success 
in the industry with these artists, no matter what genre, that, that I am, uh, you know, the same access as I am with the clubbing and, and as I was with bringing people into the clubs, etc. They were kind of hand in hand. Like, I, it's, it, this is kind of weird stuff because I've not really thought or spoke about it before, but it's kind of cool to reflect, I guess. But for me, I was running the clubs, which is obviously lucky, right? Yeah. So then what I did was pretty early on, which is like no one that I know of has even still done this, but I was like, okay, there, there, there's a community here. There's got to be one in Sydney. Yeah. There's got to be one in Brisbane. There's got to be one in New Zealand. So I'd be online, like looking up clubs, checking it out, trying to find it, like stalking. Yeah. And like, yeah. Adding the dude, yep, sweet, mad, hit him up. Hey, bro, I'm from Melbourne. Is there any synergies here? Can we do some shit? And then they wouldn't apply, whatever. So then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to fly there. So I literally flew to like Sydney, Gold Coast. And I was just like, hey, bro, can I catch up with you? And they'd be like, oh, okay, what for? I'm like, just, just wanted, just wanted you to know who I am and I, I want to know who you are. Showing the face and having yeah, the conversation. Yeah, so early yep. days, like, I, and before even I knew about this networking shit and this hustle fucking life, yeah, and like, I was doing this just off the off my back. Yeah. And then I, I met up with them and then still now, bro, like, that's uh, the guys that I did that with 14 years ago, I'm doing a deal at the moment with Milky Lane with my product, which is wow. like this big, like, hip-hop burger shop in yeah. all over Australia but Melbourne. Yeah. But the guy that I originally went and met with, I'm doing business with him still. Yeah. And like, wow. and the reason why is that I'd be like, cool. And I guess I back myself as like a human. So I like meet up with him, cool, catch up, blah, blah, talk shop, talk shit, whatever. And then kind of like, well, I don't want anything from you. I just wanted to meet you. Yeah. Yep. And then, but when the time comes, like we'll, we'll do something if it makes sense. So you know what I do now? I know what you do now. So we can rely on each other. Yeah. And like, there's a network page. Yeah, sort of, yeah. And then I'd kind of go back and then over time, someone would be like, Hey bro, do you know anyone that can do this? You're like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, I help him out, and then like vice versa. Like, bro, I'm trying to break this artist in Sydney. Do you, like, what's a good venue to do? Like, even an explanation of that today is a chick called Nature, DJ Nature. She's based in Auckland, so I went over there and met her when I was in um when I did the Melbourne tour, the Brothers tour in, in um Auckland. Yeah. So then now the guys that I work with, Rockefellers, who are like these EDM dudes. I love them, bro. They're yeah, grass. Yeah, yeah. Well, the grace, the greatest. Sorry, greatest dudes ever, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so I'm with them and I'm like, cool. So, we, so we're starting to break New Zealand. So it's like, we're doing a lot of shit in uh, Hamilton and we've done a couple of festivals and stuff over there. So then what do I do? I hit up all the network that I've used in um in over time. And I'm like, hey, bro, do you know anyone in um Auckland who does EDM stuff? Can you connect me? And then they're and like, then, and then I'll be like, do you know anyone in Queenstown? Do you know whatever? So I've got this giant fucking list, black book of like all these people from Auckland, all different scenes. But I hit them up and I'm asking for a favor. But the, the the kind of game to that is that when they do the same, I got to do it do it back. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But the club stuff. So when I was doing the club stuff, why I got real lucky is that um I was use I was kind of like working at a place where I was on like a wage in a sense, but I was doing the booking, so I was the entertainment manager. Yep. And um I would bring down all these artists. They were like up and coming. They weren't blown up yet. So I'd bring all these artists down, um and I'd be like, oh cool, look, I can give you five hundred bucks. Come down, perform for half an hour, whatever. But really, what it was was for me to meet them. If that makes sense. So. Guys like I'm sure I hope you guys here know these guys, but like Flume, I don't know if you heard of, of them. Of course, People yeah. Course, dark, what's so not? All those boys, like yeah. I met Icons, by booking man. them. Yeah. But these dudes, when I paid them, they were three hundred dollars because that's how early stages they were. That yep. makes sense. So yep. by the time they blew up, like that was years later. But I knew them from when they were young. Like Peking Duck, for example, I remember bringing them down. It was like I think it was fucking five hundred bucks fee. And then two nights of calm, but they were like in a motorhead home and they did three shows. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. then imagine the rate for Peking Duck to do that these days. <laughs> well, yeah. they're, they're worth about between 150 to 200 grand. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I had no part in their success at all, but it was like I knew those guys because I was a part of that culture. And I could just go to show the network again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's guys that I've also brought over that did nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like they never blow up and now work in real estate or do whatever. So it's like it goes vice versa. But I kind of, I was no, I feel like no one was like, Proactively thinking like I was at that point, so everyone was sort of like, "Yeah, cool, I'm making money from my show." Mint, that's whatever. 
And um, whereas I was always like, okay, how, how do I make more opportunity? How do I make more opportunity for me? Or how do I make more opportunity for the artists I'm working with? Or how do I make more opportunity for my team? And then the way I thought that was just like, I just need to get my fucking name in people's mouths. Yeah. So it's like, and that's the thing I think about, like when I'm in the studio or do whatever, I come in and people see me as an opportunist. Yeah. And like, and I get a lot of people hit me up all the time because they want to catch up because they know that my black book is fucking heavy. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes if you get a good editor, you don't even hear it. Yeah. Oh, that well, one where there's like hoping, people yeah. are going for the toilets or we stopped, there's yeah. technical. And then I've had an editor do it and I can't even hear it where they've done Damn. it. Damn. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. If you sort of talk about the same project, they normally just chat, chat. Yeah. And like they'll stop it like a, and then go again. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so you're able to swivel that though when you need to? Cool. All right. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So like what I was saying was like, the, uh, so like it might seem erratic, but like well, what I was sitting at was like, I, I, if I'm sitting in a room with people and they know what I'm about, what I do, who I know, it's like if they come up with something in their brain, they're sort of like, okay, cool, fuck, we need to break into Sydney for argument's sake, or we need someone who has a connect to a label, or we know someone that needs to know whatever, like whatever it happens to be. If they know that I can facilitate that, I would automatically get that opportunity. Yeah. So it's like they're sitting there and they go, we come up with this idea, like we said before, we, how are we going to facilitate this idea? Danny. We'll fucking talk to Danny because Danny will know someone that mm-hmm. does that. So – a, you know, you've got could know my name because I've done whatever I can to make sure that you do know it. And then B, second to that, it's like you now know what I'm capable of or what I've done because not necessarily I tell you, people will tell you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that, then, so that's a lot more. Sorry, that's a lot yeah. more powerful as well. When other people, uh, what amount from yeah. other people, how good this guy is, it's a lot better than hearing from the guy himself. Hundred percent. Because I mean, I guess sometimes, not all the time, obviously, but sometimes when I guess if you're the guy talking about how good he is, and I can do, you just sort of people don't believe you. you you're just sort of yeah. sitting there telling you, telling the person what you can do for them instead of it's that's you know it's a it's a real thing and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a as Donny was saying, it's a lot more powerful if it's word of mouth if. You you're not even in that room and there's people saying hit up Danny Danny's going to be able to sort that for you man there's do you know what I mean as yeah. you said heavy heavy black book that's that's something that's and I don't think like to be honest with you bro there's not really a uh not to move off topic at all but there's not really a another Danny Grant in Australia you know what I mean from what I, I know from what you. I know <laughs> not there's no one else's name that I'm hearing yeah that's because we're as much. that's very true yeah, I, yeah. actually yeah good point very good point very valid point I guess I guess running off that man is I really I'm really interested in the story of obviously you started young and you started bringing in people to these clubs and getting the the uh, sort of cut from that etc. When you sort of started doing that, when did it sort of hit to the point where you were like, okay, I want to start working with artists, I want to build artist careers, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's kind of weird, eh? Because like um early, like I, I was like on it straight away, but yep. I kind of fell into it. So the way it worked for me, which is kind of very short, I'll try to keep it as short as I can. I started a company called Loud Entertainment. So this is after all that stuff I was talking about. What, sorry, what entertainment? Sorry, it's called Loud Entertainment. Loud Entertainment. Yeah. Loud Entertainment is like it's if you listen to like Melbourne Sound or like uh, kind of heavy dance back in 10, 15 years ago, you know it. Like he, there was he'd know it. Yeah. yeah so there was, there was a company called um, Loud and Lab. So we were the two competitors. We didn't really get along. Whatever. Yeah. And um, so what happened was again, like when I was doing my events, I was like, cool. So I used to find new talent because they they used to cock block you. So like when you were trying to like, <laughs> when you were trying to do what I was doing, like run clubs and shit. Yeah. The easiest way to like cut you back down from the feet was to not allow you to have artists. So I would be right. like, cool. I got this club. I got this gig. I want to do the show. And now I'll be like, I want to get these these big artists. Like I want to book them. So I go to the booking agencies, and what would happen is my competing promoters would be like, no, no, don't give it to him because they don't <sighs> want me to compete. Right? Of course, yeah. And then. So they would cut their, my legs from underneath my feet. So then what I had to do was I had to develop my own. Yeah. And so from that way, I was like, cool. So I had to like kind of like, I call them like misfits. Like they were kind of like playing for me. 
And I'd be like, cool, you've got to make your own songs. You've got to have something about you. So already from there, accidentally, I was identifying talent because I was forced yeah, to. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So then I sort of built these guys up within my own community. So I was like, cool, these are their demos. This is doing whatever. So I started promoting people um, accidentally to help my clubs. And then, um, so when they all went boom, blew up, I did the same thing. So yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like this, cool, now you boys play for me. Yeah, and then I'm like, let me take care of your bookings. I'll manage whatever. But it was actually... The reason why I was doing it was because I, I needed control of what I built, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I and was that was like, the easiest. Yeah, so I was, and I was smart. So like the other guys, for argument's sake, our, our competitors, they wouldn't allow their guys to play anywhere. Right. So the difference between me was I did, but I'm the, I'm the agent, so I got to stipulate where they played. Yeah, and, like, ah. and, and from there, and but I was like, hey, from there, and what I was appealing was that I wasn't, I wasn't like stopping opportunity. I was doing the opposite. So I was like, hey, you know, like you play for me. I'll go get you seven more gigs and there's all these other joints. Um, but what I was doing kind of in the background was I was never allowing my whole collective to play on one lineup. So ah. everyone would come to me and I'd be like, yeah, you can have two. So then I'd go boom, right. boom. And then the only time they ever played together was when there was my events. That makes sense. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. I did that early on and that was like before I even knew what booking agency was or management was. So I was sort of doing that to help my brand grow and I was like building them because I needed them to, to prop like to propagate my brand. Did that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, fuck her up. I'm managing artists. Like that's, that was a point when I was thinking, and I was really, really good at like figuring out how to like attach community to culture and, and, and create like something around an artist. Yeah. And I had like fucking six of them, man. I had some real big ones. Like there was guys like, uh, you guys would be too young as bad as that sounds, but like Stevie Mink, um, Mike Metro, Heath Renata, um, even uh, we worked with like a lot of guys like Joel Fletcher, Will Sparks. All of course, yeah, so yeah, we, like, yeah, yeah. We really, I had, I had like, at the time that I was around, there was probably eight big guys, and I had six of them. Yep. And it was I built them, and to the point, which is kind of like a crazy story. But I remember one time there was another agency that was doing the same shit, so they just kept rising the prices, and I was like, "Fuck you!" So I literally <laughs> just made my own artist. Yeah. And so yep. I just found these two guys, and I was like, "Cool." I think there was three actually. I found three, and I f- found something that I thought was different. I like created like a fake buzz, like a fake fake stir. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this artist was big and I just kept him. Yeah. And like, wow, so man, I, was, yeah. I was doing that shit early on and then I stopped for ages. So I actually was, went to this point where I was like, um, I kind of got burnt in a sense. Like effectively I had all these artists, probably had like seven or eight of them. I was about to join up with a company called Lucky, which is arguably the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. company. In yeah. The Lucky. In shout out Lucky for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 And um, myself and the boss of it, we were going to con- combine and start this agency called Say What, Say What Agency. And then I got cold feet last minute because he sort of had a couple of artists he wanted to put on. But at the time I was all like, fuck, I'm, I'm, my guys are the coolest motherfuckers in the world. Yeah. Like, These guys are a bit too commercial, fuck that, rah, rah. Yeah. Um, and then I went to another agency that I thought could help my boys because they were bigger, like they were bigger, more established agency at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to like take the leap for them, not for me. Yep. Take the leap and hopefully we can go interstate and in overseas and, and break these things. So kind of got a... Um, like a bit of cheese and took the bait sort of thing. And when I went there, this didn't turn out the way I wanted to. So like what ended up happening was they gave me like an offsider and that offsider ended up becoming taken over my guys. It was like a bit, it was a bit dodgy, but what, and then I left and some of the boys left with me, but then the music style that I'd spent so much time and energy on at the start, this is the first one. So I've been involved in multiple different music yep. blobs mm. um, was I just, I legitimately at that time thought that we were going to be fucking the biggest thing in the whole entire world. And I put all my time and energy into it, kind of like what you were talking about before, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I was all I gave a fuck about. And then what happened was the sound started to fizzle. And when that happened, I was like, 
Fuck. Yeah. And then I got ripped. I got like kind of shafted here, ripped off here, bad relationship. This happened. Couldn't give guys what I wanted. And it was just like all kind of started to crumble down. And I was yep. like, my whole world at that time from whatever it was, three, four year gap was like that. If that makes sense. So then I was like, um, burnout by it. So I was like, fuck, you know what? Yeah, man. I, I don't know if I want to do this again. And then I came back and did house, which is where I met all those other guys like Flume, Peking Duck, what's or not. Ran a club called Tramp in the city, which yep. is pretty fucking famous club. Oh, yeah. And Massive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was called Fake Tits was the Friday I did. Beautiful. And I was like, you know what? I like house music. So now I'm going to move off and I'm going to do house music. So I worked in that space and I, I worked with some really big guys and we helped develop dudes. Even guys currently at the moment used to play for us were like, again, Flume, what's or not, Peking Duck, Dom Dollar, um, Benson, Torrent Foot, like all basically the biggest house artists from Australia now played with us 10 years ago. And um, we created like a really good community and culture for that. They kind of allowed them to be a lot more free-flowing with what right. was commercially acceptable. And um, we did that, and I then set up a label at the time because I was like, you know what, fuck management. I'm going to work on a label. Yep. I did the label for a bit, and um, I was signing artists and doing some shit like that, and we were doing really successful. We had some really fucking big names on the label. What was the label called? It's called Say What Records. Say What Records. Yeah, yep, so yep, when yep. I left um, the Say What Agency, I ended up turning the same brand I'd made. Into, into the record label. label. Yeah, beautiful. And then, like everything with Music Bro, um, Myself and the partners I was w with were like super passionate. Yep. And then I had sort of one idea, which is probably what, where I was four years before. So they had this like music genre that they were like, it was called Australian Bass House, I think, or something like that. And these guys still play it. They still do well with it, whatever. And then I was like, um, no, no, no. I want to be like more open-minded. Like I wanted to take artists from all different genres. And our label is like a, it's an everything sort of thing. Because yep. at the time there was guys that I was looking up to in America that were doing that. And they were DJs too. And they were sort of like, nah, look, we want to stick to this niche. And yeah. we want to continue to use this as like a vehicle to Paris. We couldn't agree, broke up. But me and these dudes were like besties. Oh, and then no. I, when it broke up, it wasn't like, not that anything was like swung out or anything like that, but it was like, we didn't really talk after that. And then course, after that, yep. I was real burnt. So I was like, yep. I've gone from like my dream being crushed because the music style died off. And then the guys who come up after, which is like your wheels and Joel's and shit. Yeah, I had a little bit to do with, especially Joel. But then the guys who grabbed them, who didn't support us, we're the ones that made all the money from it. Yeah. So I was bitter about it. Yeah. And, like, and then um, I did the house stuff and I had a breakup from these good friends. So I was like, fuck music. Yeah, that makes sense. So I yep. was like, yeah. And I just became a bit bitter. And a, to be honest, like a bit of a shit cunt, like a shit person. So I was like, when it, when people were succeeding, I, I'd be one of those dudes, which I'm totally not now, but I'd be like, fuck that successful dude or this, that. Yeah. Whatever. And I went through a period of that for like a year, which kind of sucks because I burnt some good relationships in the midst because I was just like, I'm just going to be a promoter. I'm going to be the best at what I do. Yeah. And I'm going to be a fucking piece of shit, basically. Yeah. And yep. so um, I did that for a bit. And then I then had this new idea where I was going to like move off and become corporate. Fuck the one why. Because as soon as I did, I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bro, yeah. So I went and did like a bunch of food festivals and shit like that. And then I had that burning desire still. Yeah. And I yeah. had that desire where I was like, you know what? I'm still listening to music. I still got to show flat out. I still run shows, but I love this. Like, this is what gets me up in the morning. And all this other shit is like, I started, I guess the best way to explain it was I was chasing money and I was not happy. Yeah. So I actually ended up yeah. having a fucking mental breakdown um, where I was like probably depressed and did whatever. I had to go through this process to get um, like cancelling and shit and yep. I kind of came through it. And what I like learned during that period was the two things was, one was I was chasing success because I thought it would make my childhood better. That makes sense. Like I would yeah, kind of overcome my... Childhood trauma because I was successful. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying because it's it's sort of it's sort of also on that thing too is you sort of you see the things that sort of made your childhood traumatic yeah. and stuff and obviously your family go through those things as well because it's sort of 
generational and that's why we kind of grew up with it right totally so when it comes to sort of chasing money because you think it's going to make better. uh better uh, and, and your your childhood trauma is better and that's what's going to make you feel better i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but when i, I kind of have the same thought and where that stems from I've, I've figured out from for me personally is obviously it's it's not just me i was brought up in this environment and that's kind of led me to the headspace i'm in and what not fully the reasoning but led me to sort of where I'm at with that headspace, right? And I realized that when I became a, I, I did, this, I've sort of fell into the same thing recently, you know, with fuck everyone, I'm just gonna put all my energy on this, fuck the music, burnt a lot of bridges and stuff like that. And then sort of came to a point where I, where I was like, I, I'm chasing this money and I'm doing this because I think it's going to- Make everything else better. Make everything else better, make my family better, make make like my my family for generations to come better, not just the, the ones now and stuff like that. It's just make my, bloodline better so there's no no other no one else born into into yeah, this yeah. from from my family you know that's kind of where that stemmed from and then i realized that's not making me happy that's where i got so i yeah. kind of got to what my goal was like that's why i was like i want to have this 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 and this and when i'm there i'm gonna be happy yeah and then i yeah. did it and i wasn't fucking happy yeah it's so, my biggest fear bro to be so it's, it's really weird hearing you say yeah, that yeah. because you hear it all the time like once you get once you get this you're not happy or you know once you get to the top it doesn't mean it does, that doesn't make you happy if you don't if you don't sort the problems up here and stuff like yeah. that but you don't believe it you're like fuck off of course, it's easy for you to say that in a lamborghini totally. while i'm on a bus you know what i mean mm. but then i mean I said, you, you're hearing i guess you're hearing it too much for it to not yeah. be true you know what I, I, mean? so I never like really heard that or like reflected on it but it was like it happened to me yeah, and yeah. so i was like had this job getting paid well I, it was like worth a lot thought it was at the time did all this shit rah rah had all these business successes and then i was like this sort of period of two, three years. And by then I'd sort of, the anger had dissipated from yeah. music and shit. Like I realized that I was just sour because to be honest, I was too early. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that that's cool. Cause it's like, again, talk about legacy. Like uh, any of those stories I'm involved in because I was at the start, you know, I pioneered it. 100%. And now I'm fucking super proud of that and happy that I did. Um, I'm, to be honest, I don't think I could have managed to blow up from all these dudes. So yeah. it, things come at good times. If that makes sense. And then um, I, so I had that breakdown and then I kind of came back and I'm like, fuck this. I, I'm not a corporate. Yeah. And like, I, I'm a creative fucking weirdo realistically yep. who loves music. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to be happy. So I kind of stopped all that, sold out or did whatever. And then I went really threw myself back into music. And strangely enough, bro, that was the most successful years I ever had in music. When, when would you say how long ago was that when you sort Four, of came back? Four or five years ago. And that's when I started ago. taking on, I took on Melbourne again. Yep. I started taking on artists again. Yep. I started working A&R for labels again. I started running bigger and big, better shows, but really concentrated on like what I liked and different genres. And I was like hopping. So I was doing like side trance to house music, to fucking international techno acts, to yeah. super, super cheesy uh, uh, regional clubs. Just taking like, anything, eh? Well, if I liked it, it was all good. Yeah. Like, so I was like, cool. And I, I've always been really, had like a vast taste on music. And then for artists and stuff, I was, I don't know, I feel like at that point, that mental breakdown was like a big part of my life. I needed it. Because mm. once I did that, I was like, cool. Like what you said before, it's like legit what you were saying. I was like, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. It's happy you're there. Yeah. You're there now rather than when I was 30. Yeah. And yeah. Like, and then I came back. I was like, fuck, you know what? I really regret being bitter and angry to those dudes because I fucking love those dudes. Yeah. yeah like, man. And I love their journey and I'm proud of them, but I can't really repair it now because mm. I was a dickhead. Yeah? 100%. And then second to that, it's like, I, I was like, you know, I love music and I, I, I like working for artists, not because I want to become a millionaire from it, because I generally want to see them do better. Yeah. And so yeah. almost like that kind of like realization and what happened there was so pivotal for me because it became a part of me being like, I do things for pure intentions now. 
And then that's why, like, even when people hit me up, like, I'm always, like, I always talk to them, I always answer them. But a lot of people do ask me to work with them or manage them. But it's like, for me, I'm like, bro, I've got to be 100% in it or I'm not in it at all. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the thing for me. It's like, because I, I'm, that's just the way I am now. Because it's, it's got to be complete, pure intentions. Um, or I've got to be, it's, it's got to be like, I've looked in and I'm like, I think I can help this person. There's something special here yeah, or something yeah. like that. What would you say is the, is, what would you say is the, for artists at home, what would you say is the, is the, What's the right word for it? What would you say is the the right recipe for in an artist for Danny Grant to wanna to wanna work with them? Oh, uh, sorry, for Danny Grant to wanna work with that that artist or for me it's like one thing I wanna say is like even though it's weird because like my success to artists, like you guys talk to me or whatever, and other people talk to me, I've had a lot of artists that have got to that sort of five to ten K mark per show. Yeah. Which a lot of people would be like, that's super successful. For me, I feel like I've never blown a one-up proper. That makes yeah, sense. So it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's weird because like you get these guys like, I've had fucking 10 of those dudes, yeah, like, which are like that middle tier, good streams, do whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm still chasing that. I'm still chasing that like superstar. Yeah. yeah. Like international superstar. And I believe some of the guys I work with could be that person. But again, it's like they've got to want it for me to be able to make it happen. If that makes 100%. sense. So it's, a, it's a two-way streak for sure. 100% it's two-way yeah. streak. And again, man, like even, like, I'm kind of off topic, but I'll rhyme back to it. But, I've met dudes who I think are the most talented people I've ever met in my whole entire life. Some of the best artists ever you've never heard of. And the reason yeah. why you've never heard of them is that they are completely unmanageable. So you can't work with them because they're erratic and they're fucking brilliant, but they're not manageable. Yeah, that makes what, sense. Does, what does that mean when you say not manageable? So there's guys out there that are like, they don't want to listen to you. So it's yeah. like, what's the point of coming to someone like myself with a giant black book that knows and has done this before 10 times. You're not going to listen to the tactics. You don't want to hear, hear it. And all artists to an extent don't want to because that's that's what an artist is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pride and ego involved too. We don't, it it yeah. has to be. Like, that's yeah. the thing. But at the same time, it's like these same guys, it's like they just don't want to listen so much. There's no point working with them. That makes mm. sense. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a point. I always, I've always i been with guys for periods of time for a long time. And it's taken me a year or two to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then there's been times where you got to build the trust up. Like Melbourne's a good example. Like when I first started working with him, it was more about him um, kind of using me as a lackey in a sense. Yeah. Because he didn't have trust and we had to build it and build it and build it. And I had to let him make the mistakes that yeah. I knew that were probably going to be once. And then he come back. And then one day after like a year and a half or two years, I was like, bro, let me have a go this time. And he was like, "Give me right. the controller." Yeah. And, then, and then he gave me yep. the controller, and then he was like, "Oh, that worked." Yeah. Oh, that worked. Oh, that worked. And then we yep. built this trust where now it's like everything is like, "What do you think, man?" Yeah, like so it's where it's a mutual, it's a relationship. Beautiful. Uh, going back to what you said, because I, I really fucking veered off there. Yep, yep. But what I'm looking for is like, it's like it's a weird thing to say. Um, it's a weird thing to say, but it's like I'm looking for something different that stands out. Yeah. And it's like one of those things. It's not necessarily like how you look or how you whatever or whatever. It's like. I'll see someone and like I'm using Melbourne as an example because obviously I'm guessing a lot of this will be like hip hop culture based. I look at it and I'm like, look at him and I when I first saw him and I was like, fuck, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Because he was like around years ago. Right? That's like, actually what I was going to ask. Yeah. What what period did you actually start managing Melbourne? Because I, I, this is the, this is the weird thing that artists will never understand. You're getting watched, yeah. And like so, yeah. it's like for mm. me, I work with these dudes, right? And I watch. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, even still to this day, bro, I'm watching fucking everybody. Like, it's like, something comes out. It might not be everything they put out, but I'll like check it. And if I like it, then I'll check the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yep, then I'll yep. check the next thing. So it's like, and so with Melbourne was that, like I was watching him for a good year, year and a half before I even contacted him. Mm. So I was like watching, I was like, that's cool. And it's funny because I was actually watching his brother originally. So right. Is that, uh, uh, Ryan King. Ryan King. So yep, I yep. rated him too. Love that guy. Shout out Ryan, by the way, hundred percent. Yeah. But I was like, um, watching him and then I sort of saw him in a clip and then I saw another one and then. 
I saw some other stuff pop off and I was like, fuck, this guy, I reckon this guy's got something. Mm. And then um, I was like, I really like it, the way he looks. And then I sort of, after a long time, I hit him up cold and I was like, hey, bro, like I've been watching what you're doing. Uh, can we catch up? And he just doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> and then I, and that's like, I feel like a lot of the time that happens. Yeah. And then one of the things I will say, like hopefully a lot of artists do listen to this, but I've never, ever had an artist approach me and then I've gone, yeah, I want to work with you. Never. Uh, ever. Yeah, of course. So yeah. for me, it's more that I'm watching. Yeah. And then I'm like, hey man, what, what are you up to? Like, can I help you out? This is how it always starts. It's almost like a fucking um, courting process, right? Yeah. And I've got, even currently now, I've got four or five artists that I do this with, right? And then the re- I go, Oh, what are you what are you looking at doing? Oh, you want to oh you want to work with that label? I'm like, oh maybe maybe I can send some stuff over and see if I can help you out. Yeah, and, I, and what I'm actually doing is I'm courting you to see if you're manageable. If you uh. listen, if you're willing to work, what your work ethics like, what your fucking home life's like. Yeah, yep. I'm watching you, so I'm helping you to see how you react. Does that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like, creepy, but it's it's kind of it's kind of poking the bear to sort of see what see what could or even if happens, I do right? help you, how do you react back to me? Yeah. So if I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll put you in contact with this guy. If you don't come back and say thank you. When am I going to work with you? Again? Yeah, if you're really bad, cheers, bro. You know, yeah, something yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or yeah, you yeah. appreciate the opportunity or even how um, when we talk and I say, can we look at doing this and how you react to it? It's like, there's a whole thing. And it's like, there's no real recipe to it. Yeah. It's more of a feel. That makes sense. So, Definitely. And then I start working with someone. I'm like, I really, really like this guy. But again, most of the time, as bad as it is, it dies out from work effort. So it's like, there's heaps of people that I'm watching right now who I think are fucking amazing in every single scene that I work in. And then the biggest, biggest thing that why I don't pick them up or don't help them is that they don't work. They don't have a work effort. Yeah. So yep. it's like, I'll go, yeah, cool. Like, all right, we'll send me a demo. And then they don't. Mm. Or I'm like, oh, I love that song you did on thingy. Can you like record it properly? And I can help you if you want. I'll put you in contact with the studio and rah, rah, and then I chase it up. Mm. Yeah, and, like, and then I'm like, hey, man, can you send me this thing? Because I want to send it over to this thing. And they don't. Yeah. So it's like that to me is like, then I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I I don't I don't know if I can get this person to work hard enough to be able to do it. So because I mean it's a really big saying, man. And I heard it from the moment I sort of sort of started pursuing an, an artist dream is you gotta want it. You know yeah, what I 100%. mean? Because there's a if you don't want it, there's a million other cats out there that do want it, and they'll take your spot in a heartbeat. There's a million people out there with more talent than the biggest artists in the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's and it's funny that you say that because of course there's a million people out there with more talent than the biggest artists in the world, but there's not a million people out there that's gonna work harder. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Thing, and hard work beats talent. When talent fails it's and you a, get guys bro you get guys that are special like i'm all in fucking ronnie like those dudes are special right? very special dudes and it's yeah like one of those things with those boys is that you also got this challenge where it's like they got to live their life yeah because yeah. like there's a big difference between being able to do it full-time forever and support your family to actually living a good life and i don't want to be in their heads being like oh bro like quit all your jobs do this do that don't don't fucking feed your family because you're going to blow up because i don't know that yeah it's a lie yeah, yeah. Like, all I can do is say I can help you and support you and put you in good opportunities and put you in good, but you've got to perform. You've got to make the opportunity. They've still got I can't to take make that the risk. opportunity for you. All I can do is bring you a chance, an opportunity. You've got to then do what it's, you can with it. It's sort of what they do with the opportunity provided, I Correct. guess. I f- also found it very interesting. I want to take it take it back a little bit to where you said how you haven't, uh, out of all artists that have messaged you to say to you, uh, you know, I want to work with you, yeah, help me, help me with this, and you haven't really worked with one full time. That's cold message to you. Yeah, it's really interesting to say that because artists, your time is coming. Like that is that said that a lot. You've you've just made it a point where people like yourself in the industry, they've you know artists, you're being watched. You know, well, what and I mean? another and thing to say is that I've had guys cold message me, yeah, and then I've worked with them a year later. There you go. You so know what like I mean? Because it's not to say you shouldn't do that. Yeah, but then I watch them. Yeah, and so because like, mm. oh, they've hit me up, I'm like, oh, okay, and then I'll check them out. If I do have an inkling where I like them, I'll continue to watch them, watch them, watch them, watch them. And then I'll get to a point where I'm like, I reckon they're ready. Yeah. And then sometimes I've been knocked back. Yeah. yeah. Like where I've gone back and gone, 
hey man, like what are, what's your plans at the moment? What are you thinking? And like, oh, we've got we've done this. So I miss them too. So I've, yeah. I've, there's there's shots I've missed because I have held off too long before. Uh, lots of times, like not just a little bit heaps, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. So, so did you? Oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, I've heard once like the best way to if you're looking for a manager, if you're looking for a label, if you're looking for someone that's gonna help you get your music out there, the best thing to do is just to work on your own like you've got a manager or like you've got a label, you know what yeah. I mean? Because when, when they see you putting in that work, they're immediately like, okay, this guy works hard. If I give him the direction and get him working in the right That's direction. That's exactly right. It's like, you're, so if you're like driving a car, right? And then, then, then all I want to do is touch the steering wheel. Yeah, like, or I want to give you the directions. Like, yeah. I don't, I can't make you fucking drive the car, but I can give you the directions. Yeah, and so that's the same thing. It's like, if someone's like here and there and everywhere, and I see a lot, man, there's like a lot of artists that I think are fucking awesome and I, I they just can't get any form of consistency. Mm. So for me, I look at that and go, that's too hard basket. Like, if I say to him, I need you to be in Sydney at this time to do Triple J um, bars of steel, is he going to rock up? Yeah, mm. like, and then, yeah. then what happens to me? It burns my relationship and I fuck that up. So it's like, I've got to risk... I've got to I've got to put a mu- as much risk in the basket as they do because I don't want to burn my book because how many, they and it happens because artists do that like that's what artists do yeah Wait, artists are flaky they can be yeah most I, definitely they, it just is what it is like that's it's a certain type of personality that creates that kind of fucking music and um that kind of level of creativity it, they come they, they, I've never met one that's not like that yep. yeah like yep. there's yeah. scale of it there's a scale of it there's a scale of good to bad but there's no like they were all on that scale. Yeah. That <laughs> we're somewhere there and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you get 100%. guys that like get better. They can train themselves to whatever. And then these guys are just impossible to do it. Um, and then there's guys that are like in and out, like it just, it, or girls, I should say too, because I work with girls, but it's like every single one's on that scale. Yeah. So it's about is where do they lay in that scale and can they be pulled back to a two rather than just sitting in a 10 all the time? Mm. Yeah, right. Or, or is it sort of, is it worth bringing that thing, that scale down? Or like, are they going to be able to do it, it Yeah. before they kind of, Ruin a it big for themselves one, or a, another big one, which is will be fucking obvious, but use drugs. So creativity and drugs go hand in hand, yep. and it's yeah. like that's the other one. Is like most of the time, it's like how fucked are they on drugs? <laughs> uh, can you put? Can you pull them back? Yeah. Can they keep it under control? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can yeah. they keep it under control yeah. enough to like not fuck up what you're that's trying to so create? True. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And it's I, it's really I'm glad that we're our scenes there. Do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. being very self aware of the drug use and stuff especially the the managers and et cetera, because it's like, I don't know, man, you hear a lot of stories in America of these managers and, and label managers and stuff feeding and supplying the drugs that the artist is working for because they know they're not going to rock up and be able to go on stage if they don't have it. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, yeah. stuff like that and whatnot. But just quickly, man, um, we've got we've got about 15 minutes left. So while, while we still can, I want to touch on the alcohol side of things, man, because that's become a huge thing that you've also become known for as well. Um, and I'd love to get some some stuff on that. So you started off with the wet pussy shot, right? Which yeah. for those who don't know, wet pussy shot is a it's I don't know if the right word is a fermented uh it was a fermented shot made before. No, so it's no? like um we used to make it in like big giant tubs at clubs, right? So this yeah. is how it all ties back. Like funnily enough, this is powered by music too. Yeah. But it's like um it was we used to make these giant tubs of wet pussy shots and it's been like that for twenty years. And the reason yeah. why we used to do it was it was cheap. So we used to go like back in the day, it was like Fucking 10 bottles of cranberry, one bottle of vodka, peach, just enough so it could taste alcoholic. It would sell five bucks. So it was like a way we could be like $5 shots on special, but we made it in these giant tubs. Every club in Australia did this. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. it being a thing for a while before the actual bottles come out. So that's that's what I was sort of trying to trying to uh, let the audience know is the... so It's actually peach, cranberry, vodka, lime. That's what's Peach, in. cranberry, vodka. There we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect. And so 
you guys were sort of, as you were saying, you guys were selling these at clubs all around Australia. Making nah, it so we, we, nah, like basically everyone was making it themselves. Yeah. So like yeah. well, at my club, I used to have someone come in beforehand and they would make the tubs of wet pussy. Ah, right. And then they would bottle them up, we'd chuck them in the freezer, we'd drink them. So like when, it's short story, long story short, when COVID hit, my, one of my business partners, it was sort of his uh, brainchild. He's like, fuck, if I can trademark the name, do all this shit, rah, rah, um, we could sell it. And then he kind of benched it because he, he couldn't get it to work creatively. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then, um, he came back to us during COVID and he was like, I was like, wanted to start up an alcohol product because I was like, look, I think I want to sell something in case COVID continues, which it fucking did for two years. But yep. I was like, I want to be able to sell stuff in bottle shops on top of clubs. And then he was like, well, what about this? And I was like, fucking let's do it. So we created the brand around it and did everything around that. And then um, redefined the way it looked and made it sharp and kind of made the sales proposition of it. And then we went to all these clubs and we're like, hey, I know you do that, but you got to pay labor. It's always inconsistent, blah, yep. blah, blah. If we, make, if we made a bottle that looked better than that, that cost you 10 cents more a shot, would you buy it off us? And everyone was like, yep. <laughs> so that was like how it started. Beautiful, yep. Yeah. Just, just quickly, is this uh, your partner that you're talking about? Is that Shane you're speaking nah, of? Nah, so no? Shane, Shane Barrington came in later. So okay, he, was, yep. he, used to, he owned a company called Tipple, which was like a big uh, straight to you Uber Eats of alcohol. Yep. And that's why he came in. Because after we'd kind of blown this up with me and the three club guys, I was like, cool. We kind of like had a bit of scale in bottle shops and shit, but we didn't understand that world. Yeah. And he'd yep. been working in that world for like 15, 16 years. So I was ah, like- Ah, so bring in the vet. And yeah, I was yep. like, Shano, come fucking help us out. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can you imagine like after one of those, like one of those ones that came so close and you just failed, if you just like, no, nah, that's it. I, I give up. I'm yeah, just going to- And a lot of people do, gonna man. pack it in. Yeah. A, a, a lot of people, sorry. Yeah, 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 no, that next one- is the one yeah. that, that actually tips and what over. was got me from surprise was that this one was out of nowhere. So we like yeah. literally built it. I was like, cool, focusing on the events and stuff. And it was like, bang. And I was like, fuck. Just grabbed it by the neck and just strangled it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we, um, it was crazy. So that's another thing too. It's like people like get down, they work hard, they do whatever. But it's like, you never know when opportunity is going to come knocking. Yeah, exactly like, right. So he's got to be in a sense, right place, right time. So it's like what I was saying before, it's like, oh, I'm in the studios. I'm in the um, events. I'm driving three hours out to a festival to pop in for half an hour to show my face. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm doing all this shit and I still continue to do it because that having my face out there means that I'm closer to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah? And so, um, and that opportunity might knock and you never know. Like I could be in the fucking, at a small pub in f Sydney and I bump into the guy from Sony because I'm sitting with some other dude and then he wants to listen to what I've got working on. Bang, everything just changes my life. You know? Yeah. So mm. put and yourself out it there. It really can happen that quick It too, does man. happen. Yeah. It's not can, it does. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly right. Uh, another question I have on the on the wet pussy shot, right, is when you guys, actually firstly, I know you said that you, you didn't, it was a side project and you didn't yeah. expect it to blow, but I've got to be honest with you, man. I really am not surprised, hey. Like, I, because of the fact, as you said, it was all around Australia and stuff. I remember when I first seen the bottle and, and we first had it and we were looking at it and stuff, I remember thinking, fuck, this motherfucker is smart, bro. Yeah. Because, man, it, as you said, it's a drink that everyone knows, that, that yeah. we drink all around Australia. Everyone knows what Wet Pussy Shot is, but it was never, it was always a drink. It was never a brand. You yeah. came along and you, you saw a market that was lacking and turned it into a brand. Yeah. And that was a, that's the smartest thing I could think of. So I'm really not surprised that it, it boosted. Same now, because but it did. hindsight yeah. 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And so on on that as well, man. Do you uh, just quickly as well? Do you sort of is that sort of what made you uh, motivated you to want to put more ventures into the alcohol industry? Because I know you've got uh, you've got G up now in partnership yeah. with Tree Candy. Um, I've just seen you've been doing a lot for your new drink, Ugly Vodka. Yeah, Ugly, Ugly Vodka. vodka yeah. yeah. Is that what you went to? Um, Pitch for, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just um, sort of talk on that a little bit, man, and so sort of what what sort of 
made you say yes to, I guess, those other opportunities. And in the I didn't industry. say yes. I found them. Oh, you found them? Yeah. yeah. So Troy and I had known each other for years and years. Again, just around about. Yeah. And then I knew that he'd been kind of talking about doing this drink for a long time. And then um, he was already kind of down the track. And then I kind of, he hit me up one day and was like, oh, can I ask you a question? And like, that was not out of the normal because I spoke to him a bit. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, yeah. Like he asked me the question. And then I was like, bro, why don't you do it with us? And he was like, all right. So that's how it sort of started. So then we kind of developed that brand for him. And we did, we took his, we turned his dream into a reality basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the other one was the same thing. So again, one of my business partner was like, um, I can get these apples from Shepparton. Um, they they throw them away normally. Um, but it, at the time, he's like, I think it'll be a cool concept to use these fucking use fruit to make vodka. Right. And then I was like, Yeah, I reckon there's more to this. I reckon. I reckon. You know what? I reckon that we could find a group of guys that really give a fuck about um all that social change, environment, yeah, working in the music industry because that's a big thing, right? And then um develop this story about like how we're helping. We are helping local farmers. We were doing all these things, but I sort of took those um sales propositions and I was like. All these things that you want to do because you think it's cool, there's actually all these benefits to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's pick those benefits out. Let's sell those benefits to a company that, that really cares about it, which is this company called Untitled. So they do like Beyond the Valley, Pitch Music Festival. Oh, yep. And again, I used to work with those guys back in the day in clubs. You know yeah, so, yep. And then I kind of went to them and I was like, hey, we got this really cool concept. We're going to turn um, like throwaway fruit into f- vodka. It's going to help farmers, carbon neutral. It helps fucking all these different things like water waste, blah, blah, blah. We know you guys care about that. We know you're the guys that like are the, at the forefront of like that kind of music style and, and like what succumbs like can fully encompasses that. Um, you make a brand for us, yeah. yeah. And so and then we're like and then we'll JV on it. So we were like, you develop something that you're proud of and that you think talks to your audience, which is the one that's going to care about this with this concept. And then they did that and created it. So that was my role. <laughs> and there's a bunch of other shit you'll see come out roll out in the next year. But they're very much like majority of love them is like. It's BDM. So, like, BDM stands for, like, business development manager. Yep. So, I sort of, like, will come up with an idea and then I figure out who the partner should be. And we sort of, well, I shouldn't say me. Me and my business partners come up with an idea. We kind of, like, go back and forth and create these opportunities. And then we sort of continue to develop that business. And then to a point that we kind of get partners and we create things and then we have the marketing plans and rah, rah, rah. But the term is BDM. So, it's like I do a lot of, like, conceptual marketing, um, come up with ideas and then figure out who needs to be a part of those ideas to make the idea work. Right. So it's kind of a, it's a well-oiled machine in terms of your, your gear does this and focuses on that, which yep. spins that gear, which focuses it right. Cool. Cool. It's cool. creating teams really, man. You yeah. Know, it's like, I, I'm, I, we just create teams for products and it goes back to what I was saying before. Like I work in so many different cultures and different, um, businesses and shit that I'm able to go, um, I'm able to go look at it from an outside perspective in. Yeah? And so like I can go, oh, you know what? This product would work with these guys because it talks to them. This product would work with these guys because it talks to them. Mm-hmm. This product would work with these guys because it talks to them. Again, if I wasn't constantly at fucking pitch music, then Brotherhood Show at Laundry, then after that I'm at fucking Reva watching some other artists play. It's like if I wasn't doing that all the time, I wouldn't be able to watch these people engage with brands yeah. and alcohol and blah, 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 blah to be able to like, make those decisions and that makes yeah, sense yeah 100 percent, 100 that's crazy man i didn't realize how sort of in depth it really yeah. went like it's 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 honestly like a movie i can just picture like 
I think he's a, he's a um, bad boss where that, I can't remember what actor it is, but and they've turned it into a lot of memes, but he's sort of explaining a plan. He's by a whiteboard. He's got his yeah. suit and tie on. He's got, hasn't slept in three days and shit. Sort of picturing those those sort of things when you kind of are looking for business partners and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, this is going to go here and stuff like that. You kind know of is I mean? that, eh? Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. When you're explaining There's it. There's a lot of whiteboard action. Yeah. Where did the um, where did the name Ugly Vodka came from as well? I want to, because I just, I found that, story. I didn't realize that's what you were doing with it and stuff. It, yeah. was, it was throwing, reusing fruit into vodka and stuff. So, I want to know a little bit more about that, but so the the boys from Untitled come up with it. So yep. they um we originally it was called Weekend Drinks or yep. Weekend Vodka, Weekend Vodka, which we just like to ring to it. Yeah, and like we were all like alcohol weekend syn- synonymous with like fucking partying. Yep. the guys are a party group, rah rah, and then they were like kind of developed it, and then they were like, you know what, we're gonna do something like this that's like pretty out there. Like no one's no one's ever done it. Um, become the first sustainable vodka, use all the fruit to turn into blah 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 blah. We want to be like real bold. And they're like, so the actual term for that fruit that's thrown away is called ugly fruit. Ugly fruit, so yeah. So they're like, ah. fuck it. They're like, well, fuck I it. Thinking, I was thinking it was something to do with the fruit. Yeah. yeah. So the term is ugly fruit or wonky fruit. So yeah. they're all like, all right, let's, let's, like, let's lean into the worst word, which is ugly. Yeah. So you're not going to forget that, right? So it's like ah. when someone goes, oh, it's ugly vodka, you remember it forever. Mm. Why is it ugly vodka? What's ugly about vodka? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then you figure it out. So for a credit to those boys, but they were the ones that were um, – the masterminds behind that. Yeah. It was like, the idea was like, make ugly beautiful. Like that was the idea. Ah, that's awesome. major marketing. That's such good marketing. Major yeah. Mar- yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's, yeah, man. So just not to, not to sort of go to the music and then to volcano back to the Yeah, music. that's cool, bro. But, <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to know your play in the label part of things, man. So I know obviously you have a big association with teamwork and yep. brotherhood and stuff. Yep. I know brotherhood is Melbourne's label that he's off branched from yep. teamwork. Correct. Correct. What, uh, what part do you play in teamwork? So I used to own labels, obviously, and yep. then back then I ran the whole ship. Um, so I have a pretty good idea of how to do it. Yep. Prior to that, I used to work for a techno label called Bush, and I was an A and R. So A and R means that you're finding artists, yep, and then you're doing the deal for the label, um, or with the label. You're kind of like a mediator. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, so I'd find an artist, and then I would be like, um, I would uh put them in contact with the label. If I thought they were good, then the label and then would do the deal. So I would not be involved in that, yep. but I'd be finding them. And then in, for, uh, at the time I would get like a small cut of royalty. That makes sense for putting the relationship together, but I was hired by the label to do that. Yep. So what those same boys, um, the teamwork guys, like they, I'd known them for years and years and years and years. And I feel like I had a pretty trusted ear because I found a lot of artists or like I said before, I like, guess I might not have worked with them, but I was booking them or I was, um, I'd, I'd worked as an A&R for them and like I had a long list. Like if I managed 10 guys that got really big, I'd fucking work with 30 that yep. um, had that end up having illustrious careers after I'd worked with them early on. That makes yep. sense. So 100%. my ear was very trusted and the boys kind of came to me and were like, hey, uh, you interested in like kind of working with us and finding artists and stuff because you seem to be really good at finding them at the ground level. Um, because I'm like fucking, as I said to you before, I'm watching people flat out, but I'm like, yeah. I'm on SoundCloud, bro. Like, so when, so when I go through my binges and you're I'm really like, going that deep into fucking it, man. Yeah, I'll sit yeah. down and be like, listen to one last to another last to another last to another. Oh, I'll spend wow. hours. And, when I was younger, I literally would have headphones on for hours and hours and hours, just digging, 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 like trying to find gold, right? Yeah. And um, so he knew that I was like that and I was constantly sort of sending him shit. Funnily enough, what um, Corey actually made it happen was this hip hop shit. So... There was a guy called TK. Do you remember him? TK? Of course. Yep, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And like yep. Kid Curvey and shit like that. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All them boys. Real early before they any of them had blown up. I, obviously, Curves had been around forever. And I was like listening to some of that shit. And it was like using the Aussie accent. It was real like gutter rap in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And I'd sent it to the boys from Teamwork. And this is before there was a it at all. And I was like, I reckon this shit's going to blow up. 
and they're like, "Fuck, you've been right three times. Like, you've been <laughs> yeah. three, three for right. three at this point. Well, yeah. No, sorry, two. You've been right two times before. So they're like, oh, well, like, why don't you come on and start to look for some of this stuff? And I'm like, cool. So then I started to like slowly, and that's how I kind of inundated the hip hop scene was I started to like look and watch. And this is before One Four. That makes sense. So I was already on this shit before One Four blew up, and it was. So probably would you say? So not to cut you off, but would you say this is the around the time where? Oz hip hop is kind of becoming bubbling. It was Oz hip hop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see it. I could see the signs. Like I was like watching yeah. the views get bigger. So they went from ten to they were getting 200,000 views. Yeah, and like there was some audience who were like really go like feeling it. I was like I'd seen it before. So everything is the same before. It's like it's all the same. So it's like when something bubbles, they start to be a lot of reactions. People don't like it. There's conversation about it. For all sure, this different yeah. shit. So I was watching it, and I was like, it, no offense to those dudes, like they're good rappers, whatever. But I was like. It's not it, but it's almost there. Yeah. And then I was like watching, watching, watching. And then like everybody else, the message went boom. Like the 141. And I was like, fucking knew it. Like I was like kind of, the boys already started working with them then. And then at that point I started to, to work with artists and grab people, whatever. Like, But not just that genre, like that kind of, I guess like the Polynesian rap stuff. Mm. I was like, this is going to blow up everything. Mm. And then I sort of started to grab people. But unfortunately I did have a whole, I grabbed a lot of different, no, not necessarily a lot of guys, but I grabbed a couple. And so, like I said before, some of them were like not manageable or weren't in interested enough or whatever. And I watched that space, but it was really challenging, man. Like working in the hip hop thing was a fucking another ball game. Yeah. I, I, one, because they try to fucking stab and shoot each other. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. but second, a little bit second, different to the house scene. <laughs> I never, I never had to worry about like gun threats. When yeah, I was fucking yeah. Managing uh, house DJs, but <laughs> second to that um, was that they don't have any form of trust. Yeah. So like I, and the funny thing for me is that I am I am a dude that came from fucking nowhere. Yeah. And like but again, like I've this guy that has developed and I've got all these good contacts and I have money so that automatically these guys are like, what's this fucking white dude want? Yeah. And like I don't trust this guy. Like what what are you, what are you doing? Like that I, I was such a hard thing to like build trust with these rap artists. Yeah. And they and you're not gonna walk in and go Bro, I, I like I grew up in commission areas too and my mum was single and my parents died from drug like overdoses and blah blah blah. Like they that sounds fake. So yeah. I had to like build these relationships and this trust and that took a long time. So I was like, I had to build up, build up, create kind of in like start to go to studio sessions and float around and go to shows. And, and then they had to kind of figure that, like I said before, you don't, if you tell someone something, they don't believe you. Mm. So they had to kind of figure that story out themselves. It was super challenging. It was fun too, but it was super challenging. But I sort of slowly um, got a couple of dudes and I was like there, I guess hip hop, um, ground artists like kind of watching culture in a sense to, and sort of feeding up to teamwork but yeah. as an A&R and then I signed a bunch of guys um, most notably obviously Melbourne but, yeah. um, and then Melbourne sort of had that brotherhood thing forever and he was like look I want to take this more serious and then I did a deal with teamwork to, and it kind of helped him too but I was like I did a teamwork a deal with them saying like hey look rather than us running our shit through you guys which makes not a lot of sense because you do all kinds of artists yeah. why don't you have an arm that does this but Melbourne is definitely the um, he's the boss. Like kind of like I run it, but he's the boss of it. So he decides who gets on, final who calls, sort of kind of yep. like. Yep. So that's why there's not fucking two hundred artists on it. There's like three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, if it was if I if if it was me running that, we'd have 15, 20, 30 artists on it. Yeah, and so because I'm real big on like find some guys, let them go, help develop them, and the more the better in that. In yeah, that and case, then, like, so, you might yeah. Have five good ones. Yeah, and, like yep. no one sort of fall off, and then you you win it because that's how I've done it in the past. But Ronnie's very much like. Everything's gonna be perfect. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you can tell, man. And I mean, it, it, I mean, I won't speak too much on him yet because I mean, hopefully we have him on at some point. But you can really tell how much of a perfectionist that dude really yeah, is. Hey, like dick. when it come down to the, I went to his to the first uh, sold out show he did at Laundry Bar yeah. was it last year, the year before. 
Um, and just from the, it just, dude, it was all, it was all sort of scripted. Like yeah. amazingly, I've never, and I've been to a lot of shows at Laundromat, like too many, and I've just never seen a, sh- a show at Laundry yeah, yeah. Go. You know what I mean? Like that so was. So you talk about it before you're saying like what made me appeal to him. Yeah. So other than I thought he had a bit of talent, but the, him and everybody, yeah. It was the first one I saw perform. That was when I was like, this dude's fucking the real deal. Yeah. And I still believe, like, and it sounds crazy to say, but he, he's got his um, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Like, yeah. he's obviously been in jail, come back out, tried it again. He's got family and shit. He's, he's um, focus shifts. So sometimes he's, like, really music orientated. And when he's there, I'm there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm right next to him. I'm flying around the country with him. I'm in the studio sessions with him. But then sometimes he needs to take some him time. Yeah. And, like, and when it's his hit time, I let him do that. Yeah. It's like... It's, it's he's driving the vehicle and I'm there to help him when he wants to do it. Like the, at the same time, I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm. It's a relationship. I'm not his boss. If that exact, makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I generally still believe that he is the best hip hop uh, entertainer in the country. I couldn't disagree. And I, um, yeah. I generally think that he has got the it factor. And same as everyone that I work with. Same as I'm all same as Rockefeller. Same as all these guys. But I generally believe that he could be if he wanted to be the best in the country. Huge. Um, and I still believe that he is one of the best rappers in the country. Like, that's what I do. And again, that's what I was saying before. It's like, all my guys. Like, I'm all yeah. fucking amazing singer. Well, I suppose, like, all those as you were saying, as you were saying, man, I, it makes sense. I suppose he wouldn't be, I suppose he wouldn't be in your corner. Or none of the artists would be in your corner if you didn't believe they were the best yeah. artists in the And that's why when I get these people come to me and like, hey, bro, like, would you work with us? I can't just be like, yeah, cool, because it's not a money motivator for me. Yeah. And like, so when they're like, yeah, bro, like, I think your stuff's good and I'm not lying, but. I've got to be super passionate because I've yep. got to be like, I've got to be at war with the, I'm sitting there at the table like, bro, you got to book this guy. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. Like, like this guy, you're missing out by not doing this. Like, and, and you got to make sure. And that's sure. why I think that I'm trusted in the music industry because when I say that, they know that I'm like, I believe it. Yeah? They know you're so, going to go to bat for him every time. And then I'll yeah. make sure it's going to happen. I'll 100%. make sure they rock up. I make sure the show's good. I make sure that this is there. So they know that they trust me so that they trust for whatever. So it's like, and if I'm sort of there like, oh yeah, I'm working with the guy. It could be good. It's like if I'm not like fully fucking obsessed with it, then um, why why should these people believe me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's out. what I mean. Like I feel like sometimes guys are like fuck man. Like I messaged him, he sort of like not fuck me around, but says oh yeah, like I like your stuff, rah rah. But it doesn't go anywhere. And for me, it's like just keep doing what you're doing. And let me watch you, and then I'll decide if that makes a decision down the track. Like, 100%. And so once I'm on with you, I'm on with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm like right to die. Like so it's like when people when people are always saying that artists that are getting very because. You'd know, man, artists are very antsy, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And and when people tell artists who, who sort of aren't making any noise at all yet, you know, your time's coming, your time's coming, it's sort of a thing that's in one ear out the other. Yeah, but it's yeah. a, for any artists listening now, man, like it's a real it's a real thing that uh, your time really is coming. You are being watched. Everybody's yeah. time is coming if they put the work in. Exactly right, exactly right. Anyway, man, I think we might leave it there just because we have another peop- another set of people coming in in five yeah, minutes. But totally. just just quickly before we finish up, um, so obviously we do have our, our host here. We've got myself and Donnie. Um, and our third host has been getting tattooed all day. Uh, he's Etoile, but so we've got Liam B here, bro. I just want to come get you on camera real quick, bro, just to say good day because he hasn't been here through the episode. But Liam will be with us through all the other episodes and whatnot, bro. Come in, come in, come in, lad. Eshe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Liam will be in it for the rest of um for the rest of the episodes and stuff. He just uh was getting tattooed and stuff today. But um yeah, no, nah, Danny, thank you so much for coming, bro. I appreciate you so much, man. Um, is there is there anything that you wanted to 
bring attention to before we finish off? Or nah, my one's just chase your dreams. Like even if someone says it's not true, just keep doing it. 100%. And like worst case, no, don't fucking lose your life. Like still work, still do things, do whatever. But it's like you can't lose, man. Like worst case scenario, if everything falls over, you had the best time ever. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. So even me, man, like the level I'm at, it's like I say to Ronnie all the time, like all, even all the boys I work with, I'm like, if this ends tomorrow, fuck, how good has this been? Yeah, and so yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bloody oh, that's the best way to look at it. Just remember artist, Danny Grant is watching you. hundred percent. hundred percent. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching the first episode of the Culture Show with Danny Grant. Take it easy, fam. Peace.